Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. Today, in celebration of National Poetry Month, I'll be sharing works by Elizabeth Bishop. It's kind of funny that she only wrote 100 poems in her lifetime. And yes, the number was 100 on the dot. Um, Yet, she is one of the most influential authors of her time. So, the first piece I'd like to start us off with is The Mountain by Elizabeth Bishop. At evening, something behind me. I start for a second, I blench, or staggeringly halt and burn. I do not know my age. In the morning it is difficult, an open book confronts me, too close to read in comfort. Tell me how old I am. And then the valley's stuff impenetrable mists like cotton into my ears, and I do not know my age. I do not mean to complain. They say it is my fault. Nobody tells me anything. Tell me how old I am. The deepest demarcation can slowly spread and sink like any blurred tattoo, and I do not know my age. Shadows fall down like lights climb, clamoring lights. Oh, children, you do not stay long enough. Tell me how old I am. Stone wings have sifted here. The claws are lost somewhere. I do not know my age. I am growing deaf. Bird calls dribble and the waterfalls go un wiped and what is my age tell me how old i am let the moon go hang the stars go fly their kites i want to know my age tell me how old i am all right so the reason i wanted to start off with this is because most of the poems she did write were in her later years and that was a common theme that kept coming up but again it was a very influential thing and it got people to start to think and to discuss certain things that had previously been very difficult to talk about the next poem i'd like to read is titled at the fish houses although it is a cold evening down by one of the fish houses an old man sits netting his net in the gloom is in the gloaming almost invisible a dark purple brown and its shuttle worn and polished. The air smells so strong of codfish it makes one's nose run and one's eyes water. Like five fish houses have steeply peaked roof, roofs and narrow cleated gangplank slant up in the storerooms and in the gables from the wheelbarrows to be pushed up and down all is silver the heavy surface of the sea swelling slowly as if considering spilling over is opaque but the silver of the benches the lobster pots the masks scattered among the jagged wild rocks is an an apparent translucence like the small old buildings with the emerald moss growing on their shoreboard walls the big fish tups are completely lined with layers of beautiful herring scales and the wheelbarrows are similarly plastered with creamy iridescent coats of mail with small iridescent flies crawling on them up on the little slope behind the houses set in sparse bright sprinkle of glass is an ancient wooden capstan cracked with two long bleached handles and some melancholy stains like dried blood where the ironwork has rusted and the old man accepts the lucky strike he and his friend of my grandfather and we walk and talk of the decline in the population and the codfish and herring while he waits for herring boats to come in there are sequins on his vest and on his thumb He has scraped the scales, the principal beauty, from unnumbered fish with that black old knife, the blade of which is almost worn away. 
down at the water's edge, at the place where they haul up the boats, up the long ramp descending into the water. Thin silver tree trunks are laid horizontally across the gray stones, down, down, down at intervals of four or five feet. Cold, dark, deep, and absolutely clear, element bearable to no mortal, to fish and seals. One seal particularly. I have seen here every evening after evening. He was curious about me. He was interested in music. Like me, a believer in total immersion, so I used to sing him Baptist hymns. I also sang, A mighty fortress is our God. He stood up in the water and regarded me steadily, moving his head a little. Then he would disappear, then suddenly emerge almost in the same spot with a sort of shrug, as if it were against his better judgment. Cold, deep, and absolutely clear, the clear, gray, icy water back behind us, the dignified tall firs begin. Bluish, associating with their shadows, a million Christmas trees stand waiting for Christmas. The water seems suspended above the rounded gray and blue-gray stones. I have seen it over and over, the same sea, the same slightly indifferent swinging above the stones, icily free above the stones, above the stones, and then the world. If you should dip your hand in, your waist would immediately ache. Your bones would begin to ache and your hand would burn, as if the water were a transmission of fire that feeds on the stones and burns with the dark gray flame. And if you tasted it, it would first taste bitter, then briny, then surely burn your tongue. It is like what we imagine knowledge to be. Dark, salt, clear, moving, utterly free, drawn from the cold, hard mouth of the world, derived from the rocky breasts forever flowing and drawn and since our knowledge is historically flowing and flown again the pieces that she wrote got people to think and made people stop and realize she had a knack for storytelling she had a knack for imagery and she had a knack for bringing up things that people weren't aware of so we'll take just a quick moment to talk about our sponsor and i'll be back to share more poetry by elizabeth bishop welcome back everybody the next poem i'd like to share is titled one art by elizabeth bishop the art of losing isn't hard to master so many things seem filled with the intent to be lost that their loss is no disaster lose something every day except the fluster of lost door keys the hour badly spent the art of losing isn't hard to master then practice losing further losing faster places and names and where it was you meant to travel next none of these things will bring disaster i lost my mother's watch and look my last or next to last of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones, and vaster some realms I own, two rivers and a continent. I missed them, but it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you, the, vo the joking voice, a gesture I love, I shan't have lied. It's evident the art of losing's not too hard to master, though it may look like, write it like disaster. And the final piece I'd like to share is titled A Miracle for Breakfast. 
Miracles enable us to judge of doctrine. Of doctrine enables us to judge of miracles. At six o'clock, we were waiting for coffee, waiting for coffee and the charitable crumb that was going to be served from a certain balcony, like kings of old, like a miracle. It was still dark, one foot of the sun steadied itself in a long ripple in the river. The first ferry of the day had just crossed the river. It was so cold, we hoped the coffee would be very hot, seeing that the sun was not going to warm us and that the crumb would be a loaf each buttered by miracle. At seven, a man stepped out on the balcony. He stood for a minute alone on the balcony, looking over our heads towards the river. A servant handed him the makings of a miracle, consisting of one lone cup of coffee and one roll which proceeded to crumb, his head, so to speak, in the clouds along with the sun. Was the man crazy? What under the sun was he trying to do up there on this balcony? Each man received one rather hard crumb, which some flickered scornfully into the river, and in a cup, one drop of coffee. Some of us stood around waiting for the miracle. I can tell what I saw next was not a miracle. A beautiful villa stood in the sun, and from its doors came the smell of hot coffee in front of a baroque white plaster balcony added by birds whose nest along the river. I saw it with one eye close to the crumb. In galleries and marble chambers, my crumb, my mansion made me made for me by a miracle, through ages, by insects, birds, and the river, working from the stone. Every day in the sun, at breakfast time, I sit on my balcony with my feet up, drinking gallons of coffee. We licked up the crumb and swallowed the coffee. A window across the river caught the sun, as if the miracle were working on the wrong balcony. All right, well, those were poems by Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm so glad you could join me here on another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. If you're still interested in sharing a poem for Poem in Your Pocket Day, your time is running out, and I would love to have you on the episode. So make sure to use the link in the description to share anything you want to share. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Mm-hmm.